Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated BF Goodrich All-Terrain TAKO2. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thank you to our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the 2024 Colin Coward Show. Panini America delivers a premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL, NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. Whether you're chasing rookie sensations or collecting timeless legends, Panini's got it. Panini America is also breaking new ground in NIL, featuring some of the biggest names in college sports. Turn first-round picks like Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and more. Visit PaniniAmerica.net today. The Volume. It's time for a parade in Pasadena. I love the Rose Bowl. Such a beautiful stadium. Tradition meets college football action in one epic bowl game, and DraftKings is giving you an opportunity right now. DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for the app. Doesn't take very long. You get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on college football. I love betting college football, even more than pro football. Download the app now. The code is Colin, C-O-L-I-N. Very easy. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. New customers score 150 bucks instantly for betting just five bucks on college football. How easy is that? Only on DraftKings Sportsbook. The code is Colin, C-O-L-I-N, and the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, KS, licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.com. DraftKings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hi, everybody, and welcome in. It's our customary Sunday night hour-long podcast with my buddy, former NFL scout, John Middlecoff, who has the podcast, the very popular podcast at the volume three and out. There is a ton to discuss NFL college at the end. Let's start with Miami Baltimore for a lot of reasons. Um, You know, you add an extra week into the regular season of the NFL. I was not a fan of it. Um, I, I have defended Thursday night football, though. I don't think a lot of veteran players are ready to go. Uh, But here we are teams falling apart. Uh, Miami Chubb probably out for the playoffs to a banged up. Um, Howard, the defensive back, banged up. You know, here, you go to last weekend, you feel pretty good. You know, Baltimore's a little like San Francisco. They pound you. You come out of these games <laughs> against the Niners or the Ravens, and I look at what is Miami today. They're going to be a wild card team, a, a real possibility of that. Uh, what to you, because I got thoughts on Dallas just isn't, close to the team that I thought they should have lost to Detroit. What's Miami to you today? Well, to me, I think they're a one-and-done team in the playoffs, You know, assuming they lose to Buffalo, which I'm sure you and I know I, I'm going to take Buffalo next week. Yes. Uh, yeah. And that, that's a team that's you know obviously trending in the right direction. You know what sucks for Miami is they were having an awesome season for them. Yeah. Right? They're not like some powerhouse franchise over the last couple decades. Right. And now it all comes unraveled. And here's the thing. What has been their downfall when they've played good teams? Now, they did take care of business last week against Dallas, right? After Dak yeah. led them on that drive, they drove and they won the game. But today, they were they were manhandled. Like, th- that was yeah. a difference in class. And here's the thing with the, you know, not winning the division. Do you like this team on the road in Kansas City? Do you no. like this team on the road in Buffalo? 
Like this is not even an indictment on McDaniel and Tua. It's the history of the franchise. They right. don't play well in weather. Like, listen, Kansas City's comfortable playing these 25-20 games. They, they'll yeah. do it all day long. And yeah. say, come on into Arrowhead, you're not going to beat us. Because that's that's got the 3-6 written all over it, right? Or however the, the seating breaks down. Uh, now, maybe, I, I guess, depending on how it breaks, could they... I guess if they lost next week, they, they wouldn't even be the 5. They'd be the 6 seed. So yeah. you, you, you'd be looking at going on the road in Kansas City. And I, I don't think there's a soul that's going to pick them. And they, they, they would be, you know... A one-and-done team, which sucks because they really did make some good strides. I do think big picture, you got Fangio, you keep improving the roster. Like They're not going away, but like physicality is a huge part of this league. And the Niners, who are clearly one of the more physical teams, got shoved around by the Ravens. And today yeah. was, did that well, look like Alabama playing Cal Poly or something today? You know what, John, think about this. In the last 20 years, who has dominated the NFL? Um, New England? Cold weather team. Baltimore has been a great team. Cold weather outdoor team. San Francisco. It's the Bay Area, but it's chilly. You get some in the late in the year, it's windy and chilly. Um, you don't see. Think about the warm weather teams. Brady goes down to Tampa quickly. But there is there is an argument that the Philadelphias and the Baltimores and the New Englands, you know, it's it's um and I'm not saying warm weather dome teams um, can't be really, really good, but we've watched Buffalo, Cincinnati, Kansas City, New England, you know, and, and I and and Baltimore and the AFC and, and the Steelers have underperformed the last ten years. They've still been viable, so I do think there is something. I mean, John, there's no question. I live in California. When I go on the road. A forty-seven degree day. I'm like, get me out of here! <laughs> what oh, is going on? When you prat, when you play in Miami, it's not a criticism; it's a reality. I just don't trust them on the road in January. Well, think about two of the better organizations with Drew Brees and the Saints and Peyton Manning and the Colts over the last couple decades. We're not great outdoor teams, you know, in the playoffs, right? They had to be in a confined environment to have their best opportunity, and they had Drew Brees and Peyton Manning, right? Just because of the culture of your franchise. Offensive cultures, both those two teams, right? Look at Miami. And today was less about Miami. I didn't think they were going to win. Was much more to me about Baltimore, who now checks all the boxes of a Super Bowl-level team. They have a Super Bowl-winning coach. They have a quarterback who's going to win the MVP and is playing the best football of his career. I texted with a buddy who's on the staff after they kicked the Niners' ass, and he's like, I don't think people quite understand how good this defensive coordinator is. He's like a boy yeah. genius. He's pretty yeah. special. Yeah. And so they have incredible coaching, great talent, nailed some draft picks. I mean, Zay Flowers looks like Tyreek oh. Jr. The, the, the personnel department has always been top-notch. What happened last yeah. year? Trade for Roquan Smith, leading tackler in the NFL. They have guys on that defense on their front four that aren't sexy, huge, T.J. Watt, J.J. Watt, Nick Bosa. You don't even, beside Clowney, they're not famous group. They dominate. So, And that, yeah. that's always kind of been their thing up front, physicality. We know they can run the ball. Now Lamar's throwing like this. I think the pressure, uh, I l listen, I, I think the two one seeds is Super Bowl or bust. Like anything less than a Super Bowl championship for the Niners or the Ravens is going to feel like a, a letdown. Now, you would say in the AFC, just playing Kansas City, who has championship medal. Buffalo, if they win with Josh Allen, they're, they're going to be a tough out. It's still, to me, a little harder in the AFC than it yeah. will be for San Francisco. But I, I, I think Baltimore is clearly the heavy favorite right now. Yeah, you know, and, and I got to be honest with you. Um, whenever I see this on the internet, and uh, I don't mind when fans do this. I not that my standard for fans, fan is short for fanatic. So when yeah. fans want to get all fiery, I have no problem with it. But when I see the media do this stuff, you know, if if I want Baltimore, I'm really happy for Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. I had real doubts. He was skinny and ran too much. And my takeaway was, I don't know if this is going to work in the pros. If these GM, if there was a secret to successful quarterbacks, then 77% of drafted quarterbacks round one through seven wouldn't fail. <laughs> like nobody knows. I mean, outside of Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Elway, Marino, it's like, you don't know. But I will say this. I think one of the things I really, and I can explain it with Lamar, he was so magnificent stylistically and so unique that people just don't know what to do with players like that. I grew up with a player named George Gervin in the NBA. There's never been a player that played like him. The guy weighed 
I swear to God, he weighed 150. He was 6'7". Everything was a finger roll. He was an all-star for years. But he never got listed among the greats because nobody played like George Gervin. He was this 6'7", wiry, small school, odd game. And Alex English led the 80s in the NBA in scoring. Didn't jump. Angle. Angle jump shooter. He didn't make the top 75 team. He led the 80s in scoring. Yeah. So you, when you get these players that are so unique, we don't know what to we don't know what to do with Lamar. But we have to acknowledge this: he just keeps getting better. He's clearly coachable, and he is the soul of that team. Those he's the opposite of Russ. His teammates love him. I mean, they love him. He to me, you know, for a guy now who's worth. $200 million, still has a humility around him, and there's a uh, connectivity to him clearly in the locker room that I think Jalen showed last year that you can't fake that. You either got it or you don't. It comes naturally to you. And like you said, this is why you draft on character, work ethic, and, and love of football, because that's how you improve. Like you, you don't improve you know, what, what happens in six months when you're not practicing in the offseason? He's gotten dramatically better. The other conversation on the internet that's laughable is like, I can't believe no one went after him. It's like, yeah, the Ravens were never letting him go. Never. You know, it's one of those things like in the NBA with restrictive free agency. Why did no one make Austin Reeves an offer? Because the Lakers were going to match it. The, the Ravens <laughs> weren't trading you Lamar Jackson, right? And clearly, you know, here's the other thing. Young people situations financially impact, you know, mentally we get impacted by all sorts of things. And clearly last year threw him off the contract. This is a business though. And I'm sure we'll talk about Sean Payton and Russell. Like we're talking a lot of money. So sometimes they get kind of contentious. Last year was weird. They figured it out. Everything's good. And, and not only this year, don't you feel just for the next several years, he's kind of come into his own a lot like Mahomes did several years ago, Josh Allen. I mean, he's one of the best players in recent memory. I remember when Aaron Rodgers was in his prime and Vegas said he was worth 11 points a game. Yeah. If you look at the Ravens with Lamar, 28 a game, without him, 17. So he's worth 11 points. He is Aaron Rodgers in his prime. And what I like about him, whereas Aaron's sort of a finesse player, you know, he throws it off his feet, um, throws it away if he doesn't like to play. Lamar has a weird physicality about him. Like, he kind of likes to get hit. He's he's kind of physical, and I think players feed off it. I think he is so much better than he was when he won the MVP and kind of took the league by storm. He's so much under yeah. control. You know, for, yes. for, for a running quarterback, he feels much more poised now when he's scrambling around because he's scrambling looking to throw. I also think he's always kind of had a knack. When I was in Philly, Michael Vick was kind of reckless. He didn't know how to slide. He he went yeah. into a lot of contact and got mollywopped. Lamar's pretty good at like kind of hitting the ground on some runs. Yeah. He's not trying to be a hero, and no one questions that. Like it's like Lamar, we got to pick your spots. You're too valuable, and he's just come into his own with his talent. Like I, he's gonna have a lot of pressure though in the playoffs because it's yeah. now home yeah. games. Yeah. He hasn't much had much you know postseason success. This team's built to win big. It's a tough place to play. He's yeah. got, you know, they kind of get two weeks now. This game doesn't mean anything next week. You get the two-week rest a lot like the 49ers. And it's just, it's everyone's looking at them like if you're not in the Super Bowl, it's going to be a major, major disappointment. All right, let's pivot. Um, and this, it's not necessarily the game, but it's the situation. Denver Chargers, Denver wins. Stidham's not the future. Um, so my first takeaway on this, because we're going to talk about Cowboys and Lions and Justin Fields and Michigan, Alabama, Washington, Texas. But this is interesting. So I know Sean really well. I know Russell pretty well. Um, I know Russell's agent through texting. Um, I was a Russ fan forever. But I say this before, when new data surfaces, I have to reassess. So I got three coaches now that have moved off Russ and not for legends. <laughs> Mike Glennon, yeah. Jarrett Stidham, and Geno Smith. So you have to reassess. But what's interesting about Denver, the, the contract situation aside, there's so much shit going on in this league. There's a lot of contract stuff. Fans have no idea. Obviously, Russell's side leaked it because they were ticked off, and I get it, and I support that. But um, here's the thing. You can solve a lot of issues quickly. If right now they're drafted about 13th, 14th, that's probably where Bo Nix is. Well, Bo Nix is Drew Brees with mobility. He completes 75% of his throws the last two years. Stidham slides into the backup role. And suddenly, a lot of your problems are solved. You have a high completion scheme up guy. 
I like Denver's roster. I know a lot of people look at this and think Sean Payton's a big trouble, but my take is they would give up some stuff. They got a couple fives. I think they have a one, uh, no two, a three, a four, two fives, a seven. I, I could see them. I don't think they want to move off Patrick Sertan, but I could see them doing it to get a second one, to get an edge rusher and a quarterback. But my, your takeaway on the Russ thing, the Sean Payton thing, I think every problem's solvable. I think if you go and get Bo Nix in that 12 to 15 spot, I, I think I think you're fine immediately. I, I thought the reaction was laughable. Like, th- this is a billion-dollar business. If you don't like a player, you move on. Like, you get you ask guys to take pay cuts all the time. Their offense had been terrible. To me, it gets back to John Schneider wanted to short Russell Wilson in Josh Allen's draft. Remember, they wanted to trade him yeah. and draft Josh yeah. Allen. That They've been trying to get rid of him. One huge red flag for Russell Wilson in the history uh, in my life, the great quarterbacks, all the Hall of Fame guys from Steve Young to Aikman through Peyton to Brady, all their offensive coaches go on to get head coaching jobs. Aaron Rodgers, you just, it, it's a pipeline to success. Great call. Ru- Russell's offensive coordinators have always been fired. They've always been fired. In Seattle, he went through a bunch. Obviously, so far, Nate Hackett was a disaster. Now, Sean Payton wanted to get, we found out, wanted to get rid of him in October. So you ask him to take a massive pay cut. He's not living up to it. In any business, if you have a $50 million asset that's given you probably $15, $20 million worth of ROI, something doesn't work. And they ask him, it's his prerogative to say no. And they can say, okay. Now, clearly to me, they kept playing him. You know, probably the NFLPA would have came after him. It wasn't worth it. And they kind of, you know, went out the street. We saw this happen last year with Derek Carr. These injury, it happens all the time in football, right? And why, yeah. and I always think this just in life, why do you want to be somewhere where people don't want you? That's so if right. you're Russell Wilson, why would you even want to be there? Sean Payton doesn't want you. You move on. But like, who's really going to want him? Because I think I heard you say this and you've said it forever about like the famous guys, the Tebows, the can't. It's not easy to bring him in if he's not your lock starting quarterback. Some of these teams yeah. are going to be drafting quarterbacks. He's going to be in a weird space. Well, it's going to get weird fast. Yeah, I mean, Tebow, Cam Newton, you can't, you can't have him as backups. Russell's too good to be a backup, but you have to bring him in and build a franchise around him. And I think one of the things that um, I've had two different people in the league say uh, he means well, but but two people in the league have told me he can be difficult. Um, you scheme stuff up, and this Sean Payton stuff worked with Teddy Bridgewater, Taysom Hill, Drew Brees, yeah. and it doesn't work with Russ. By the way, I watched Stidham today. He's a backup. Uh, you know, he's a spot starter. He's, he's you know, y- you can start him, but he's he's not a guy you're going to build around. And he made some throws down the field. God, Denver doesn't make throws down the field. And I know Sean Payton's looking at that thinking, that's what I want. And I, and I contend that um, it was never going to work. I, Sean is a no BS, authentic, flawed, emotional being. Russell is relentlessly optimistic, highly religious. It's kind of a Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr on, you know, on another level with HGH, like relentlessly optimistic, like Derek Carr will swear. And uh, you've seen outbursts by Kirk brief, you know, Russell's just, uh, just not happening. Also, Russell, got young kids, beautiful wife, massive businesses. I'm not saying he's somewhat distracted. You know, you, you don't know this. Young kids, I don't care if you're rich. There's just emotional stuff you got to deal with all the time. I got teenagers, older kids. It's easy street for me. I, they yeah. barely return my calls. Russ has a very broad, deep life. And I just think, I just think Sean Payton looks at him and just thinks, or stylistically doesn't work, personalities don't work, salary doesn't work. It's just the reality of big business. Well, you know, it turns out he's not a very good player in the pocket and he could mask it forever with his great athleticism when he was younger and his great playmaking outside the pocket. Well, the moment that kind of died at the level in which it used to be, he no longer was close to the money he was getting paid and two, he couldn't function in this offense. You ha- You still always have to be able to throw within the pocket. And that was always... It was hard for Pete and John. We all thought they were crazy because they he he looked so awesome when you watched him play. But they were right that 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 was always a major. He's small. It's it's hard to see, and he's not comfortable really playing like that. But as he, it's like a it's like a NBA player, right? Who can't Russell Westbrook? Well, he never could shoot, but when he was an elite athlete, didn't really matter. He'd get away with it. 
the moment your athleticism starts to dip and you're not a great shooter, your flaws get exposed really, really fast. And I think his flaws got exposed really, really fast, especially what does Sean Payton have? One of the more complicated offenses in the league, right? Same with Andy Reid. I gotta, you got to be able to handle a lot. He was bitching and moaning about that three months ago, right? Three, three months ago, he was talking about the arm bet. He said twice on record, we have to simplify the offense. That's not a good sign. That, that, that is a, that's trouble. I mean, there are times, um, you know, I've heard this Brandon Staley, he, he, his defense had so many checks and alerts that, um, you know, I talked to somebody on that staff and they just said it it was like Vic Fangio's defense is complicated. They thought Staley had a simpler version of Vic Fangio's defense. It was more complicated. That's why you slow the defense down. Um, Offense is always complicated. And when I heard those sort of public comments, that that's Sean basically saying, I want you guys to know what I'm going through. That's Sean protecting his face. But to watch the media, sometimes, I mean, the media is sourced and is informed, and most people I've worked with are smart. But Jesus, can the can the media be naive about it was business? Embar- it, was embar- it was embarrassing. It, it, it was really like, was. guys, this is the way the sport works. I've done 12 negotiations. They can get pissy. And and I'm I've had a big brand. I've had good bosses. We get along. We have cocktails. It gets pissy. They threaten. You know, you pull back. You get angry. Like this stuff is. Russell was ticked. It got leaked. This is the way the game works. It's the NFL. Joe Montana was traded. Peyton Manning was cut. Bill Belichick told Tom Brady to kick rocks. Like, how is anyone shocked that this is going on? I don't. I don't get it. It's not like he's you know going to be eating at McDonald's. He's still getting his money to be paid to go away. Like Russell Wilson's fine. But he's just not as good of he's just he's an average player now who's being paid like an elite guy. All right, let's let's move segue to Dallas uh, <laughs> beating, I guess, Detroit. So, John, it it really, um, you know, I mean, it, it, seasons are weird. Like the Niners were great, then they stumble, then they're great, then they get crushed. You know, so we know they're good, but it is an ebb and flow league, right? Miami early in the season is dropping 70. And now we look at them, they're injury riddled. They can't beat good teams in the road. So it is a largely a situational week to week league. Um, And I got, I bought into Dallas, but I I was saying this um, last night on my instant reaction is there are things every week that I get with Detroit. Sam Laporta, high volume, two excellent running backs, one Gibbs, electric. Great O-line, Goff has protection. Pass rush. Now, back end, dicey. Um, uh, Jamison Williams can disappear, but he's electric. Omron St. Brown's, it always feels like more of a two than a one. I'm probably wrong. But there are flaws with Detroit, and they play better at home. But I know what I get from them. A risk-taking coach, a real run game, a pass rush, a highly productive tight end. If C.D. Lamb twisted his ankle, I don't know what the hell I get with Dallas. Um, the O-line is two O-lines. When Tyron Smith is healthy, it's excellent. When he's not, you get the game in Miami. Yeah. Dak, home and away, I have no idea. Pollard looks like a three. He, he's not even a two. Um, Brandon Cooks is what he is. You're not going to build an offense around him. Uh, I know that C.D. Lamb's great and Micah Parsons is great. John, they need to win this division. Because well, they're going they to. Don't, they're, they're going to. I think they're going to win this division because that team cannot win a playoff road game. I when you go into the playoffs and you have more questions than answers, you can't win multiple playoff games. It felt like Jerry got karma from finally giving in to Jimmy Johnson, putting him in the Ring of Honor. He wins that game, and then the Eagles blow it today. It, it kind of all turned out Cowboys. Last night, I thought Aikman hit it on the head. They're at the fifty-yard line with a minute left, and he said the game should be over. What, 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 to me, there's like Dan Campbell at the end of the game being aggressive. I thought he should have kicked the extra point at the seven yard line, like the seven yard line is kicked. But to me, for Mike McCarthy, not just call multiple runs, like what are we doing here? They're, they're going to have a little less than a minute. They're going to have no timeouts to go the field. Your kicker's good. What what, what are we trying to prove? And it's just always that with him that would just terrifies you because he's clearly pretty good, right? They're going to win 12 games for like the third straight year in a row. Dak's playing pretty well. But he terrified. That that was inexcusable. I can't even imagine Jerry, Jimmy Johnson, people watch. What this is crazy. Now at the end of the game, you know everyone bitching and moaning about the officials. The officials clearly screwed up. 
and called yeah. the wrong guy. But when they don't announce 68, Dallas didn't cover him for a reason. Why, why would they cover a tackle? You know, it, they, they didn't know. So that, that play, it's hard to just assume that that play's working if they announce 68 is the eligible guy, right? So the, the ref screwed up, but they never should have been in that position in the first place because they shouldn't have had the time. Dak yeah. throwing the ball 700 yards out of bounds. That, that's it's insane. Crazy. And, and to me, it's on McCarthy for even allowing a pass play. It's also on Dak. You're talking about basically a 10-year vet who makes a ton of money. Like, you got to ha- hit the ground. You're, you're better off just taking a sack. And just keeping the clock moving. Yeah, that really jumped out to me is that, by the way, um, though I do know what I get with Detroit more than Dallas, I thought Dan Campbell not kicking the PAT was he was re- He was reckless. He was reckless on the uh, from and the seven-yard line. Even the four-yard line. I, I don't like that. So I think what you look at Detroit and Dallas is um, there are things I like about both. But the coaches are factors here. They They really are factors. I mean... I'm sorry, but what Sean McVay is doing and what Kyle Shanahan has done, uh, I, 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 you know, I watched the Rams again, and I, we'll talk about this later. But when I look at Dallas, um, and I think I said this with you a couple of weeks ago, Mike McCarthy gets fired, and he concocts this story that he was down in his basement doing analytics, watched every watching- play of the Cowboys. Well, first he said he watched every game of the year in his basement. Bullshit. Then he later said he watched every play from the Cowboys, later acknowledged it was BS. Then when Kellen Moore left, he said, I want to run the football and be more physical and less Dak reliant. All three are nonsense. This is the same team. They are totally Dak reliant. And they're Dak and C.D. Lamb reliant. So, you know, it's like when you have an ace on a pitching staff, um, it just makes everybody's job easier because the bullpen gets rest. So the two and the three pitchers generally have a fresher bullpen. When Zeke was in his prime, you know, Tony Pollard gets nine touches, pops on two, <laughs> and you know, nobody's paying attention to him. Now that Tony Pollard's the guy, like I, I had said this, I think we talked about this at the trade deadline. I said, listen, you don't want to pay a fortune for a running back. But if I could gobble up the rest of Derrick Henry's contract, Tennessee's ready to move off him. Because what they miss is what you watched. That Dak wouldn't be throwing if you had Derrick Henry to eat the clock. I think Dallas either blows you out, not going to happen in the playoffs. They have a problem. And I thought the field goal kicker eliminated it. Even if they lead late, they have no run game consistently. That's a problem. I I always believe this in coaching. I I think it's like in life, like the older you get philosophically, the way you think, like that's who you are. Mike McCarthy can say whatever he wants. And a lot of coaches do this. You look back to his time in Green Bay. They were a pass heavy team. Yes. Why they let down a lot in the playoffs. Now they had Aaron Rodgers, but they relied so much on throwing the ball. He never had a great run game there because deep down he wants to call pass plays as a lot of coaches do. And what happened to Andy Reid last year? He leaned on Pacheco, won him another Super Bowl because he—that's been a knock on him for a long time. Pass happy. He wants to call pass plays. Oh, that's a lot. Kyle Shanahan wants to call run plays. Philosophically, yeah. as a play caller, you want to do specific things. Ben Johnson clearly likes—you know—he's got a little like uh, Kellen Moore wants to have some fun, do stuff. But sometimes that can cost you because yeah. we we see Belichick over the years and Josh McDaniels. You got to be very, very buttoned up when you do that stuff. When you try to get tricky, what did they do? They sent three guys out to try to throw off Dallas. Well, it ended up confusing the referee. That that's what happened. They were trying to confuse Dallas instead of just sending sixty-eight. Well, they didn't want to do that because everyone would have pointed right at him, and it wouldn't. Yeah. The trickeration wouldn't have been as obvious. So sometimes you can outthink yourself. And like Dan Campbell, both Dallas, Philly, and uh, and Detroit to me are no lock to win in the first round because they just cannot be trusted in big spots coaching Mike's I mean does have a resume of winning playoff games over yeah. the course of you know a decade plus but when you look at Dan Campbell he's this is gonna be the biggest game he's ever coached in and, and Sirianni let's face it I mean you talk about a team leaking oil right now holy shit <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk I have it written down so if you did not watch the Eagles in Arizona I, I'm gonna throw some numbers out for people Arizona had the football for 39 and a half minutes, 32 first downs, uh, 6.2 yards of play. Kyler Murray, and you know I love Kyler. I know he plays too many video games. I freaking love that guy. Well, great <laughs> if, he had three, 
Oh my God. He is. It's like Chris Paul in his prime. It's like, it's just, it looks easy. It's yeah, just, great. he is. So, um, you know, I, I'm watching that game. So that was one of my favorite bets of the week, like 12 and a half. I'm like, I'm sorry, Arizona. And by this game was funny because you saw Arizona control late. Arizona controlled early. They yeah. just had that, they had that touch. The Eagles got that 95 yard yeah. pick six. Uh, so other, but Arizona was, I thought was in control. This game didn't feel as close. And I, and I look at Nick Sariani and my takeaway was they struggled early. Then he let Shane Steichen call the plays. They were great. Shane Steichen leaves. They struggle. Is that Sirianni may be one of those head coaches. Now we know Mike Tomlin isn't this, and we know Pete Carroll isn't this, and we know Andy Reid isn't this, or McVay. But there have been head coaches that um, need a great coordinator or a great play caller. And, you know, when, when Dan Quinn lost Kyle Shanahan, pre and post, not the same coach. And I look at Nick Sirianni and your point, they're leaking oil. Some of these are personnel issues on the defensive side, but I think I'm more bothered by the inconsistency of the offense. I don't know. Have they had four good quarters of offensive football this year? I don't think they have. I, I think relative to the contract and the hype coming in, Jalen's had a bad season. He, now, some of it's injuries, but they have not looked good. And it's not a lack of talent. I mean, they got guys everywhere. I always struggle with CEO head coaches, especially younger guys. Like, what are you hanging your hat on? Like, the one thing with Jim or John Harbaugh, CEO head coach, he's a tough guy. So his teams are going to be tough. When you get him the right coordinators, they're going to be really tough to deal with, right? Now he has a great offensive coordinator, great defensive coordinator. The Ravens are kicking everyone's ass. What's Sirianni hanging his hat on? Like, motivation? Like, is, is that what he's doing? He knows nothing about defense. Right. And like you said, so he's an offensive guy. Wide receiver coach, coach that side of the ball. Well, he, he's clearly not influencing anything. I, I'm telling you, that place is a pressure cooker. This yes. thing is an all-time unraveling. Now, they're going to play a road playoff game. Now, they're going to be the five seed, so they'll play Tampa or New Orleans. They, if they lose that game, though, I mean, are, are you just <laughs> – they have a lot invested into a lot of people. This is an organization that has no problem spending a lot on assistant coaches. Yep. And never forget, they lost to Gannon today. They went after the Cardinals for Gannon because he got hired late. They wanted to hire Vic Fangio, but Vic's like, I can't wait around what's going on. So he takes the Miami job. Losing to Gannon today, of just all the people to lose with, because of all the bad teams, the Cardinals are easily the hardest to play because of that little guy. I mean, he is. Yeah. He's on a different level than the Giants and all these shitty, the Washington team. But to lose to Gannon at home, given what's on the line, I, that's. I think they're going to be like, is Sirianni in any trouble if they were to lose in the first round of the playoff game? I and mean, this was a team that gave their quarterback all this money. And let's face it, had hopes of being at at worst being in the NFC championship game and being on the cusp of Super well, Bowl again. Look at, they lose their defensive coordinator. Where did their pass rush go? They lose their offensive coordinator. Their giveaways have exploded. Like clearly they're not as buttoned up. And by the way, Nick, and I think it hurts Nick, can come off as a little juvenile. Yeah. On the I, sidelines. I, I also think you got to be in the great coaches in the history of the league, right? Walsh, Belichick, Andy's good at this. Being very careful with older players and doubling down. Like last year, James Bradbury, they probably should have just moved on. But yeah, they were so close and they brought everyone back on defense and now it's a disaster, right? And they're paying Bradbury and Slay. Slay's hurt. Bradbury's not any good. So you have some older players making a lot of money. You have to play them, but they're simply not good enough. And you watch today, their defense is just soft. I mean, beside the defensive linemen, they are, their back seven is awful. I mean, yeah. Kyler and James Conner made them look like, like a four or five win team. And let's face it, their point differential, I looked before we hopped on. Yeah, not good. It, is basically right around like teams like Tampa, Houston, Indy. The Saints, for example, have double. I mean, they're they're a team that's going to win 11, 12 games. Their point differential is 22. They're, they're, yeah. just, they're a pretty average team with a record that probably is a little different than the actual team we've watched through the four months of the year. Yeah, and we knew it. I mean, I said before the year, I said they're, they're going to lose significantly more games. They're playing much better quarterbacks. Um, on their on their slate, uh, they lose two great coordinators. Some of this was predictable, but yeah. one of the things I've always appreciated about Philadelphia, and I, I just love the Northeast and how much they love football. I, I I I just love Baltimore and I love Buffalo and I love all these teams that just care. Philadelphia 
won a Super Bowl. Nick Foles hit the road. Doug Peterson hit the road. Carson Wentz, MVP, hit the road. He was having a great year. This franchise, and this is very rare, they're the opposite. Same state, opposite mindset of the Steelers. They're not yeah. loyal to anything. And I think it's because the Roonies are Pennsylvania. Jeffrey Lurie's got Hollywood ties. He's more global. His thing is, man, this is big business. And I I don't think Sirianni would get fired, but I think they would I they give him one more chance, you know, on coordinators. And I know people say, boy, that's a dubious way to do business, but I'll say this about the Steelers. They're going to be loyal to Pickett to the end. Mason Rudolph comes in and figures out, you know, I'm going to throw the ball to Pickens every time I can. Pickett, you know, Kenny Pickett would go a half without targeting him. Rudolph's like on the sidelines for the last three months going, he's the TJ Watt and Pickens, our two best athletes. (laughs) Throw it to him every time you can. And it's like, oh, it's not that complicated. So um, I don't know if he's in trouble, but... um, you know, Jalen Hurts is one of those I'll support him because I think he has a Dak quality, and I like this quality. I don't think either throws the ball like Matt Stafford or Mahomes or Allen. No, no. And there, but there is something to be said about intangibles and leadership and a grown up and an adult. And Jalen does in a raucous environment. To your point, a highly pressurized environment. He he's kind of a centered kid, and I I do think Philadelphia. Eight Carson Wentz alive, eats coaches alive, Chip Kelly. I do think Jalen, I, I don't think he's an A-plus talent, um, but I do think he's a very centered guy, and I think Dak is. And there is value in these pressurized Cowboy Eagle markets. I, I think Jalen, in a weird way, is the least of their worries because of that. But where it does impact you is once that cap hit starts kicking in, I need, you know, once your cap hit right now, the first year of the contract's lower as you go, you know, Dax played better, right? Kirk Cousins got better as he got more expensive. You're going to need Jalen. Like, I need you to be a pro bowler every year because we're going to have to skim at some other positions. But to me, the downfall of the Eagles this year, especially down their defense is falling off a cliff. I mean, they they feel like one of the worst defenses in the NFL. I, I think they have a very, I, I think they're in major trouble come the playoffs. I mean, I they have no momentum. There's just a lot of negativity. You know how that city gets. Everyone's going to start coach and just all the weird stuff. Matt Patricia now, and legitimately just from a personnel, they're just not very good. Like they can't cover you. Like if so, I can give you the motivation. I can give you the scheme. If I can't cover a guy one on one, and they cannot. I mean, Kyler and James Connor, they look like I mean Steve Young and uh, Walter Payton out there today. <laughs> it was crazy. Listen, we've all had fender benders in our life. Sometimes it's even more serious. People between the ages of 25 and 34, in fact, have the highest amount of drivers involved in car crashes. Be careful, but even if it's somebody else's mistake, you can lean on Morgan and Morgan. If you've ever been injured, check out Morgan and Morgan. It's the nation's largest injury law firm. 100 offices and over 800 lawyers with over 15 billion, that's a B billion dollars recovered with over 300,000 clients. Morgan and Morgan has a proven track record of fighting for you to get full and fair compensation, fighting for people for over 35 years. Starting for an entire football franchise as a rookie quarterback is hard. Submitting an injury claim with Morgan & Morgan is easy. If you're ever injured, check out Morgan & Morgan. Their fee is free unless they win. For more information, go forthepeople.com slash Colin or dial pound law. That's pound 529 from your cell phone. That's forthepeople.com slash Colin or pound law 529 from your cell. This is a paid advertisement. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and 
and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. All right, let's talk. They're not a good team, but I wrote this down as one of the topics today, uh, Chicago, Atlanta. So the Bears are beating bad teams, but Justin Fields is playing better. So um, Chicago's not a well-run organization. One of the old, the oldest and poorest ownership near it in the league. Um, they want to move stadiums again. Uh, the former Big Ten presidents, now their president. Um, you know, I, I've heard things that I don't love. I don't, Ryan Poles, it's unproven. Matt Eberflew's defensive coach. I, I talked to somebody last week who um, had interviewed him a couple years ago and just said, nice guy, good coordinator, doesn't feel like a head coach to me. This was an executive in the league. So, but the story is Justin Fields. So Caleb Williams projects, again, projects. He was a better college quarterback in terms of a dynamic. I mean, USC. Better better throw of the ball for sure. Yeah, and USC is number one in the nation the last two years and has not had Ohio State's kind of personnel like Justin Fields yeah. did. So he's a, he throws the ball better and he's, he's considered a better prospect. And you get a re, so there's two things, that, and you get a restart the rookie quarterback clock, which is, a thing. But I do, this is an organization, the weaker the organization and leadership, the New York Mets, the New York Jets, they get pushed around by the wind and the volume of media and the volume in that Chicago sports talk. That's one of the cities in the country, Philadelphia, Boston, Chicago sports talk. I mean, it's a, everybody listens to it. And I can very much see them just saying, nope, we're going to trade down, get a zillion picks, and let Washington at two and New England at three both want quarterbacks come up. My guess today, it's not what I would do. I think he's never had more value. I think you can get a number one form in Atlanta. I really do the way he's playing. Now, most people disagree with me, but his value is an all-time high. You got to start paying him here pretty quick. It's going to change. But my hunch is weak management goes where the wind blows and the wind is blown in Justin Fields' direction. Your thoughts? Yeah, when I saw yesterday, I think Ian Rappaport put out that Eberflus is going to come back potentially. I, You know, this is one of the biggest off-seasons in the history of the franchise. But who would want him back? Kevin Warren, the president, who wants to run everything, right? Presidents, even if I'm paying you $5 million to run my NFL team, you're not doing anything in football. So no one cares how many seats. If you sell the uh, the naming rights of the building, you get credit for running football. Well, those guys answer to him, right? If they fire him and then they go sniffing around other coaches, they're not going to want to have anything to do with that guy. So I, I think, to me, it all starts at the top. you got to blow out the organization, bring in someone who knows what, Jim Harbaugh, a real coach, who then can make this decision. Because I, I'm with you. Uh, I, I think not trading Justin Fields and going with Caleb Williams is insanity. I think I think you 100% have to do it, Same. but I, I, I'm not confident that really anything's going to change in Chicago. I could definitely see them running it back, and then everything would be on the table. I, I still believe that Ryan Poles, though, 
who was spent a lot of time in Kansas City, worked for Andy Reid, obviously saw what Mahomes did would be insane to not throw his body up against. Like, we're either doing this or I quit. Uh, one of the, one of those type moves. Because that's, that's happened way. in the history of sports, right? You either make this trade or just fire me now because I'm not standing for this. So fans listening to this may find this hard to believe, but it happens. If you're Washington and you're New England, you start leaking stuff when the season ends about flaws with Caleb Williams' game. Yeah. Real concerns about maturity. So reporters start reporting, Caleb Williams' dad's an issue. Maturity's an issue. Why? Because Chicago Sports Talk Radio and columnists pick up on that in the slow season, and they talk about it all day, all day, and it creates this avalanche. Because you know Washington is praying Chicago. Praying Chicago doesn't take Caleb Williams. So is Belichick. All these teams are. So watch the the and I know the Caleb Williams situation better than I think most national guys. I know his dad briefly. I know Caleb and people around him. He's a good kid. He's emotional. He can be moody. Okay, these guys, he's the first NIL superstar in college sports, right? But good kid, five-tool player, like Barry Bonds in baseball, can do everything. Run, hit, power, glove. But watch. Watch the teams that want them because everybody knows the bear, people around the league don't respect the Bears front office. It's a winds blowing and you're going to start hearing all this. Kayla Williams is trouble, bad locker room guy. And Chicago media will seize that. You know who those leaks usually impact? Most people think it has a huge impact internally. Like the, the GMs have all the information. Well, these guys, they're scout. They've been through. The coaches learn this stuff. as It impacts the owners. The owners are the ones driving around their car listening to it, and they get freaked out. And then they start asking questions. That, that's the un-kind-of-told story, I think, in, in football, is the information getting to the owners and the owners freaking out about stuff. So I, I'm 100% with you. But I, I still believe, as we sit here today, December 31st, I'd be stunned if Caleb Williams isn't a bear in six months. I would make the move. I would get a first or a second from Atlanta. Um and I would, and then, you know, it's not like if they keep Justin Fields and move down, it's not that there's not value. They could get two firsts, two yeah. seconds. I mean, they, yeah. They get a haul. It, it, they, they get an absolute haul. All right. So um, we've, we've got a lot to talk about. And I, I do want to talk about some college stuff because Michigan, Bama, Washington, Texas play tomorrow. Um, I first want to broach this. So Don Yee, there's a story that was leaked to Adam Schefter that Jim Harbaugh has signed with Don Yee. So it's, that's not really a big story. Everybody knows Don Yee is close to the Chargers and Harbaugh. That's not the story, but it got leaked and Harbaugh wanted it leaked. So the question becomes, I have been told by two sources, one in the building, one out. Chargers absolutely do not like the image in Los Angeles that they're cheap. So they're, you know, they're saying, hey, we're building a new facility. Now to that, I would say you have to. You can't be an L.A. team with an Orange County facility and force your players to drive an hour and a half in traffic. But be that as it may, they're building it in El Segundo, which is by SoFi, and it's going to be a beautiful facility. They've also argued they spent on Bosa, Herbert, Lindsley, the center. They're not cheap. That said, they have a smaller staff than the Rams, the Eagles, the Niners. Be that as it may, I have been told they are going to aggressively pursue Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Belichick's view is more controlling, older, not great energy, sort of a downer in the building. Harbaugh is relentless, but there's optimism and energy and fun, and he's going to have more control. And the Spanoses are willing to relinquish some of that. It got leaked, though. So as the Chargers lose to Denver today, why did it get leaked? What's your interpretation of that? Well, to me, he's coming back to the NFL, and I think the only question is, will the char- he has a hundred plus million dollar contract waiting for him in Michigan, right? They, they have no problem paying him. I think the wild card is the Raiders. I mean, this is a guy whose career started as a coach with Al Davis. Uh, history of football means a lot to him. Now, you could say Mark Davis, Antonio Pierce. Listen, he's taken some big swings and it's backfired. The difference is Jim Harbaugh is a guarantee to work. It's a guarantee. He's four for four. At a high level, four for four. Not like, you know, kind of worked. No, it's worked in spades everywhere. So I think the Raiders, the brand, I think, you know, Mark has no, Mark doesn't care. Like, he wants to hire you. He did it with Gruden. He did it with Josh and Ziegler. He doesn't want to do any of this. See, John Spanos, like, he's like essentially the GM slash owner, right? He plays a big role. Like, those guys, what are they going to do? 
It's it, and Harbaugh's very uncomfortable. Mark Davis, the Davis family's used to uncomfortable. His dad was a crazy man. John Gruden's right. a crazy man. Like they they embrace that. So I think the Raiders are a major major curveball. Don Yee, what are the connections? Well, who just went there? Jimmy Garoppolo. Who represents him? Don Yee. Uh, Tom Brady. You know, he bought a team, part of the team, then they claimed it wasn't enough money, but that's not dead yet. Donnie's got connections to Vegas written all over. No state income tax. You know, Harbaugh spent a lot of time on the West Coast. I do not think it's a lock. Like, I, I think the Chargers could be bidding against Mark Davis. They have a prior relationship. They've met before when the 49ers yeah. met him. Uh, you know, Antonio Pierce, fun story. I, I think it's a pretty big stretch. Now, I do think he was a leader in the clubhouse if he kept winning games. He got beat by the Colts today. Like their offense is terrible. I mean, Jim Harbaugh immediately fixed you. The Raiders are a lot like the Chargers. Now they they are a bigger deal in Vegas because they don't have to compete with anybody, but they are very, very irrelevant in a city that like does not do irrelevancy. So I I think that the, that the Raiders are a team to keep an eye on. Now, you know, I I, I mean, do you think Harbaugh's, I I feel like he's 100% gone. He wins the national championship. He's for sure gone. Uh, we'll get into, I kind of like Washington to win it all, but regardless, I mean, he almost left a couple years ago, so I, I, I think he's ready, especially with everything that's happening with the NCAA. So let's, pit, uh, this can be the same topic, Michigan-Bama. So I, Michigan-Bama is this. It's the most consistent team in the country, Michigan, against the surging team, Alabama. So I've seen Jalen Milrow be awful uh, a couple times this year. He got early benched. Against, he got benched yeah. this season, Colin. I mean, he was bad against Auburn, and Auburn stinks. Yeah. So, um, but they're a surging team, and uh, Harbaugh has not been great in bowls. No. Um, there's a lot of different reasons and, and beliefs on that. But I like Michigan because I know what I get. My issue with Michigan, if they had one over-the-top star receiver, if you put Marvin Harrison on that team, I think they'd, they'd really hand it to Alabama, but they don't. And so they sort of suffocate you and pin you down. Does it affect the way you think at all that the SEC has been great in bowls and the Big Tens looked awful? Does that influence your thoughts on Michigan-Bama? Well, yeah, it's simply Saban versus Harbaugh. Like you said, Harbaugh has been, it's safe to say, a flop. I mean, in some of these big, big games, obviously the Super Bowl until the lights went out was a disaster. The last two bowl games, I mean, Georgia manhandled them. Now you can say that's one of the great college rosters of all time. What about last year? What, What the hell was that? So to me, the Saban thing, I, I, I could not put any money on Michigan. Now, I think they are going to win. They have all my scouting buddies, have 18 guys that are going to get drafted, teams loaded, more complete than Alabama. But Nick Saban's used to this. <laughs> Nick Saban's the opposite, right? Won all these playoff games. So I, I would be very, very nervous if I was – I think if he – I think there is a ton of pressure on Jim Harbaugh. Right, you can't win with this team with all these guys against a flawed Bama team. I had buddies that do the SEC that were like, at the beginning of the season, Nick's going to go eight and four this year. This is the worst team he's had of the last decade. It actually shows what a great coach he is to get this yeah. team by the end of the season. You know, beating Georgia, but th- this is not you know your seven eight years ago Alabama team that is just no. now they got good players, but it's not yeah. Jalen Milrow. Another thing that the media, I saw the reaction to Bill O'Brien telling him to yeah. change position. Happens all the time in college football. Jalen Hurts, Nick Saban told Jalen Hurts to sit on the bench. People get told they're not good enough in college football. This football. People get benched, transfer, leave teams all the time. He has improved. You know, he's a good deep, he's got a big arm. He's not big very arm. accurate, not much touch, great athlete. But I... Listen, Michigan should win this game, but Harbaugh in these moments has to make you nervous. Ton of pressure. I think part of the theory is gets a little tight. He's got a little Peyton Manning. He wants it so bad. He's like, yeah. And it's just, you know, Nick's just, well, Nick's used to this. This is, you know, another day at the office for Saban. Well, what it's really interesting you say that. Michigan went 6 and 0 without Harbaugh on the sidelines. It's almost like, hey, my kids are always like, uh, if my wife doesn't go on the vacation, my kids just don't want to go with dad. Because dad's intense. Dad's yeah. yelling at the airport. It it tells you that Jim's a great culture builder, but sometimes on the sidelines, his assistants are more chill. I mean, what does that tell you? They're six and zero without him. Alabama's not six and zero without Saban on the sideline. And I think it's a really good point about Jim. Jim builds a terrific culture. Um, but sometimes bowl games, this is why Kalen DeBoer is scary to face the Washington coach. Get to that in a second. Sometimes bowl games reward clever coaches. Urban Meyer could be very creative, just creative enough in a bowl game 
just quit Lou Holtz. Some of these guys that um, are just intense and kind of this uh, alpha, and this is Jim, and repetition, and they don't bring a lot beyond that. And, yeah. and that creativity, I think Jim's offenses are somewhat dependent on a younger creative set of eyes to elevate Jim. And I do think there's a Peyton Manning quality where his teams feed off his intensity. Uh, but Michigan has been very consistent. Alabama has not been so um, my, my, now, win or lose, I actually am in the minority here. I don't think it matters. I think Jim's going to pro football eventually. I don't think if he wins or loses an Addy, I don't think it matters because Michigan's still going to be good. He's beaten Ohio State three in a row. He, he He's done what he, he wanted to do. Dominate the series with Ohio State, bring Michigan back, and make him an elite team that's playing in the playoff. Win or lose the Natty, he also knows that the South has far greater high school programs and he's at a disadvantage. It's why Brian Kelly took the LSU job over Notre Dame. Everybody knows this. So I don't think winning and losing a Natty changes Harbaugh. Do you? Uh, no, because it's no one, anyone that's around Harbaugh thinks he's impossible to know anything he's ever thinking. <laughs> you know, so Harbaugh's just in his own little world. If he wants to go, he's going to go. If you know he's got a good thing going, they love him there. He's resurrected this program. They pay him a lot of money. It's not he's not leaving for the money at this point. Like Jim Harbaugh's absolutely loaded from coaching football, let alone playing. To me, the question though is like bowl games are hard to judge, but not a great couple days for the Big Ten. I mean, Ohio State scored three points. I know their quarterback transferred. Penn State's fucking terrible. Th those terrible. are Michigan's two best wins. Look at who Alabama, Alabama beat Georgia. I, I don't know. About you. That's a pretty good win. LSU's yeah. not bad. I mean, they, yeah. they've had a lot of just, they've been tested against a lot of NFL. The Big Ten turns out this year might not be that good. So, I, I listen, Alabama should not win this game. You know, I don't think, one thing Jim is good at with things going on outside, like will he leave, it doesn't really impact him and the way he carries himself. I know some coaches can get weirded out by that. Just the way it just impacts them, the way they interact with their team. Jim is probably normal Jim Harbaugh to his team. I just wonder if they're tested enough. I know they beat the shit out of everyone they played early in the season that are not any good, and then the two good wins they have, I don't know if those age great, especially Penn State. I mean, that that was a Ugh. good win for Michigan, and they are lame, destroyed them. Yeah. All right, finally, Washington – uh, getting four, four and a half against Texas. I'll take Washington in the points. I think this game's actually pretty simple. Like when you, Detroit and Dallas played, they had 800 yards offense, six yards of play. You knew there was going to be a lot of offensive uh, firepower. Score didn't reflect that, but there was a lot of offense. Um, Texas has better athletes and their interior D-line could give Washington's guard center guards real problems. Washington's talents at quarterback, receiver, left tackle, and an edge rusher. Uh, Texas has more players. Texas, on the other hand, has really a weak secondary, bad at corner. So if Texas can't create pressure on Michael Penix, who, who will sit there to the last second, Washington is going to get the ball down the field. My feeling is over the course of four quarters, three and a half hours, uh, Sark will have some tricks. They'll be clever, uh, and it'll be a shootout, 38-34. That's what it feels like to me. You, I, I will say this though, and I told this to a friend yesterday at the gym. He was, he's a diehard college football fan. I said, I'm not so sure Kalen DeBoer isn't the best coach in the country. Like I, when you watch Washington's receivers block, when you watch Washington, the emergence late in the season of their run game, that's coaching. They don't have four and five star running backs. They're doing stuff that's beyond their players. I mean, if you, if you look at them, panics came from Indiana and had all sorts of physical injuries. Virtually every unit on that field, outside of maybe receiver, is over-delivering, playing over at skis. M my guess is they both score a lot. Eventually, Texas's ability to run and pound the football helps to wear down Washington, but you don't feel that way. Our partners at uh, DraftKings built a sportsbook about five minutes from my house. I'm going to get in the car tomorrow. Uh, probably around noon after I work out and place one of the biggest wagers I've ever have on Washington. I, I don't <laughs> like Washington. I love him. Kalen DeBoer's 4-0 as an underdog at Washington. He hasn't lost a game basically two years. I think that him and Grubb, his offensive coordinator, right-hand man, have been together now for almost two decades, winning at every level. I mean, big at every level. They do not lose. And it's not just they don't always have the most talent. You saw that Oregon game. 
that was one, they had the underdog card to play, and it was we're gonna outcoach you. And to me, Sark, and I know everyone likes him, and I, I know I know you know him. A lot of people I know know him. I, I don't know him. People like the guy. He has never won. This is easily the best season he's ever had. The Big Twelve was fucking terrible. He yeah. has the he has the highest payroll in college football when it comes to NIL. Like they, they have yeah. the highest, they have the most talent money can buy, and that's that's the rules they're playing by. Kalen Dubor, it's not like he's like the little engine that could. They got NFL players on the offensive line, on the defensive line. They got star wide receivers, and they have a quarterback who's proven in big moments on the road, in neutral sites, to be incredible. And to me, it all gets back to the coaching. I will take Kalen Dubor over Steve Sarkeesian every day of the week. And I think they win this game, which I expect them to do. I think there's a decent chance they win the national championship. Right now, they're 7-1 to one on DraftKings. I don't think it's crazy, right? If they win this well, game, why, why couldn't they beat? Why couldn't he beat Harbaugh? Well, yeah, and the other thing is you get an offensive coach against potentially saving a defensive coach. There is a little bit to be said about, um, you know, Michigan-Bama beat each other up. I mean, that's going to be a, a war zone, a war zone game. Washington-Texas may look like a Big 12 game. It may be spread out, fun, moving around, and all of a sudden— uh, you know, it's 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 not, it's not a finesse game, but it's not a pound game. Michigan, Bama, I can tell you right now. I mean, Michigan would love to throw the ball thirteen times and just pound Alabama and never get. I mean, that's their game plan. Washington could throw forty-five times. It could look like flag football. So the winner of Washington, Texas, may come out of sort of a like a, a flag football game where it's a lot of throwing and healthier and and have more energy. I'd give it to the SEC, but you could make the argument in 2023, the best conference top to bottom was the Pac-12. Washington didn't lose a game. And the the second best team, which easily could be a playoff team, they beat twice. And really, they beat three times in a row. Right? So, I mean, this team, the Big 12, we act like Sark blew everyone out. I I watched a lot of Texas games. Like, he was in some weird games throughout the season. You know, (laughs) they are. And he, he has a little quality when he should run the ball. He gets a little pass happy. And he's not a guy. It's it's not like this is his fourth playoff appearance as a head coach. He's like a seven and a half lifetime average win a year guy. You know, this yeah. is an outlier. See, Kalen Dubor is used to playing in championships. Now they're at different levels, but right. he's he's gone to the Pac-12 immediately dominates. I, I love them tomorrow, Colin. And I'm not. This is taking. I think Texas is good. I'm not acting like they they stink. And this is not going to be a close game. But I think the differential of him. If Jim Harbaugh leaves, who's Michigan's first call? Oh, it's, it's Kalen DeBoer. Yeah. So way, if, I, if Ryan Day would have got fired yesterday after losing 14 to 3, who do you think they're calling? So it's like hey, this is this is a guy that in five years are we talking, is he the next Kirby Smart? You know? I think it's very well, possible. I think he's as good as any coach in the country. I talked to an Ohio State booster yesterday. He said, if you ask me today who's the coach in the year, I'd say Kalen DeBoer at Ohio State. And I said, well, Washington's going to get to $8 million. And, you know, Washington's a funny program. It's the one, I'm a Husky, right? Since I was a kid. It's really an interesting program, despite their geographic isolation. And the fact that Washington has about 12 Division I players a year of the state. They've had four great coaches. Don James, Neuheisel, briefly, Chris Peterson, and Kalen DeBoer. And in all of them, they, they were in the national championship discussion. With Don, they won it. With Peterson playoffs, Kalen playoffs, and Newheisel had an eleven and one team. I think Marcus Tuiasosobo beat Purdue in the Rose Bowl. I mean, they were very, very good for a couple years. Beat Miami, remember? I, I think if you just removed part of it, is no one really knows this, like the betting market, right? Like, why are they such a big underdog? This, if you removed Washington and Kalen Dubor and USC and Lincoln Riley, just had the same season. USC is probably favored in this game, right? But it's, it's <laughs> yeah. Washington, it's Kalen Dubor. Where, where was he coaching 10 years ago at NAIA? I, I, I think they are insanely undervalued. Now, that doesn't mean they could lose tomorrow. Texas is loaded. But I, I don't think it's out of the wrong. 7-1 to one to win the national championship. All you got to do, you win this game. They'll have beat Oregon twice and Texas, who just killed Alabama early in the season. I I, I I think I think Washington. Honestly, I don't think it's crazy if they win by like ten points because I, I think he's that great of a coach. I think his assistant Nick Saban tried to hire Ryan Grubb as his offensive coordinator last year. And I was reading an article the other day, I think by Pat Forty, and Ryan's like, "Listen, obviously Washington matched the amount of money, but he's like, I value being around my guy. He he empowers me. We have a great team. We set out to do what we're doing, and I, I think that tandem of that group is kind of got some vibes now. They got a long way to go of like." Kirby and Nick. It's like a power tandem. And they have they have taken the Pac-12 by storm the last two years. 
His name is John Middlecoff, wildly connected, former Eagle Scout in the NFL, three announces podcast at the volume. We do an hour on Sundays, and it's my favorite hour of the week. Um, tomorrow, two big ones. You've talked me into Washington. Well, I was going to take them in the points. Um, I'm taking a money God. line. Uh, I don't think you're wrong. You know what? Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking myself out of Washington. I should be a homer. It's the one team I beat. The audience would allow me to be a homer. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. I thought Oregon was going to roll them the second time. And the and I think Dan Lanning's good. They were a nine-point underdog, and he kicked their ass. <laughs> and I think Dan Lanning, I watched he Oregon is? twice live. Excellent staff. They manipulated First snap on, manipulated the game. It's like, what am I watching here? John, enjoy your Tito's tomorrow, buddy. I got a case waiting for you in my garage. I'm ready for it. Go dogs. The volume. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view. An endless field of wildflowers. Or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.